Welcome to episode 28 of Processing the Process, an interview with an expert, Mark Christine. Hi, everybody. It is May 22nd of 2022, and this episode actually has been in the making for quite a long time between Mark Christine's schedule and my own. It's just taken us a while to review and get it ready to actually go live for you guys. This is an awesome episode. It's just jam-packed with valuable information, big points, but also so many little tidbits that are so helpful and good to know and will save you time, will save you money. We covered it all. So as you will see, as you listen, Mark Christine is the president of College Audition Coach, the coaching program to help students and their families navigate the application and audition process. That's just a small part of who Mark Christine is. Currently, he is music directing a show. He graduated from the University of Michigan's musical theater program. He is a professional performer. He was just doing Waitress on Broadway. He's an accompanist, a guest artist, a teacher. So he's got all angles covered of perspective on helping us as parents to think through, prepare, and navigate this very, as I always say, niche process. Our goal was to cover timeline, coaching versus no coaching, and money saving. There's so much more in this, but those are the three big points. We discuss lots of things that haven't been touched on in previous episodes, like consortium auditions and what that means. Your listen to this is really going to help you know what to expect in the process, know what's coming your way before it happens. One of the things that uh, we did try to do is cover the major stress slash high output time periods in the timeline of the musical theater audition process. I think I'm going to leave it at that and let you guys get right into listening and then I will do a wrap up at the end highlighting what I thought were some really specific great points. All right. Enjoy. Hi, Mark. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Great. Really busy. 
I was on spring break with our youngest son and my husband. And then I went right from there to go wedding dress shopping with my daughter in Denver. Yay. So I know my That's gosh. exciting. Oh, just so happy all around that. It's amazing. Good. That's great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And how about you? Things are good. I actually just started rehearsal this week for a show I'm music directing down at the McCarter in Princeton. We've got a very young cast, and so we just hired eight young actors. They're all from schools that you would probably know. And in the process of that, I probably had 15 of my former students come in and audition for it. And so it's that, that interesting thing where I get to see them on the front end of the whole process, but then I also get to see them on the back end and, and get to see how they've grown over the last four years. And today was day three of rehearsal, and it's just kind of like... Away we go, you know, kind of shot out of a cannon a little bit. End of this month, we go into previews, and then we've got like pretty much the month of May, we run. So it's exciting to dive back in. Yes, just to be in the art, like actively, I imagine is just feels good. And it feels like, you know, not a take it for granted kind of thing anymore. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's really that like, oh, wow, like I have the great fortune of getting to do this thing that I love doing and haven't gotten to do in a while, you know, and so. Mm -hmm. Good. So to jump in, can you give your experience and how we arrived here today? Yeah, as you said, my name is Mark Christine. I'm the president of College Audition Coach, which is the context in which we know each other. Mm -hmm. And I also am a professional performer and music director. And so I spent much of the last 20 years balancing the worlds of teaching and education, along with being a performer, being a music director. And, and I live in New York City, so I work in the, the Broadway community. And through College Audition Coach, I have the, the great fortune of getting to work with students and families who are navigating this ever more complicated process of applying to college performing arts programs and mm -hmm. getting to help folks know what to expect so they can navigate it in a way that feels like they're empowered and in control. And yeah, that's why I think we're here today is to talk a little bit about that process and shine some light on some things that folks can take away and hopefully help them as they think about this process. I'm very appreciative of the heart that you and the college audition program has for helping just what you put out there that isn't specifically for paying mm. clients, paying yeah. students, that you have a lot of content that is free and you just want to get this information out there to help this population in general. Yeah. Well, I think even talking about me as an authority figure, right? I, there's there's that sense of like, I, I feel it is my job just to try to help people know what's happening, right? I wish I didn't have to be an authority figure, <laughs> right? The whole process, could, should, it, I can't say that it should be simpler because it, it it's complicated and, you know, they're seeing a lot of applicants for 15 slots. So it by nature, it is inherently competitive and those sorts of things. But um, I just think there's a lot of I don't even want to call it misinformation because that sounds intentional. I just think there are a lot of pieces to this process. It's really easy to be overwhelmed or confused by it. And I think a big part of our mission is just to try to help people navigate it and to know what to expect and to know how to get through it. And, and yeah, we prioritize putting a lot into the free resources that we have and trying to share information and get it to as wide of a net as possible. I mean, part of our conversation today will be about the idea of having a coach versus not. And Ideally, you shouldn't need a coach, right? In the perfect world, my job shouldn't exist. But the reality is that it is complicated. And one of our goals, though, is it gets expensive really fast. And anything that we can do to help people not have to spend a million dollars on this process, because they're about to spend a million dollars on college, right? The reality is 
Mm-hmm. You, you're going to then pay for four years of college and that, that is an expensive endeavor. And so mm-hmm. I definitely think it's one of our core goals and core values is to try to get information out there. And I mean, it's, it's part of why we're having the conversation today, right? It's like trying to, exactly. to, to get information out to folks so that they can navigate this process. And, you know, I, I hate the idea of people feeling like, oh, you have to have a coach in order to get into college. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's true at all. I think a coach can be very helpful. But you know, I want to make sure that people know if you do decide to work with a coach that you're doing it because you feel like that's a good move for you and not because you feel like you're supposed to or you have to in order to be successful in this process. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's not a must and right. it doesn't give you an edge when you get in the room. Yeah. Necessarily. I mean, maybe it builds your confidence in knowing that you <laughs> have done all the steps because you have somebody who is helping you check off those boxes. But Exactly. Uh, it's, yeah. it's more of a helping you prepare so that you can walk in and feel like you've done all the right things. You know, you're, you're in the right place. You have somebody there kind of validating that. But it's interestingly not different than you know, a conversation we have every year with families is, does the name prestige of a school matter? And ultimately, what matters is what you do when you walk in the audition room. And that's true when you're auditioning for colleges. That's what, true when you walk into the professional auditions after you graduate from college. You know, the school might be able to help get you into a couple doors, but you're only going to book the job if you're the person to book the job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and where you're going to develop those skills are at a school that's most equipped to help you and whatever that means, you know, and there's a, a whole sidebar conversation there about finding the right fit. But yeah, I don't think having a coach does not inherently give you a leg up in this process. It just helps you feel more, probably more confident, feel, you know, feel like, you know, you've checked all the right boxes, you've done the things you need to do, et cetera. You know, you've got material that's good for you, all those kinds of things. Right. Yes. And I love that you are actively in the industry. I think that's such an asset to anyone who would work with you and also really gives ultra value to being able to tap into your wisdom and experience that it's not just from a coach perspective. I find a lot of value in being in the industry as well. And, you know, I was just doing Waitress on Broadway and I got to have a bunch of my kids come and see the show. It's, it's great. Like, I really love that I get to merge those worlds. Yes. Did you perform alongside any former students? <laughs> I sure did. Uh, I was doing Waitress and one of the swings in the show, Brandon Calm, I had coached a few years ago. I won't age him too much, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but I coached him a little while back. He went to school at Pace and we got to then be in a, a Broadway play together, which was really fun. So. Isn't that absolutely amazing? Wow. It's, it's so wild. That was a really cool moment for me and I think for him to be like, hey, here we are doing Broadway together. <laughs> absolutely. And also yeah. speaks to the breadth and width and depth of the industry. Exactly. Yep. Um. Okay. So I don't typically do interviews with like authorities you know so this is a little gem being able to get inside your end of the whole process yeah well I'm excited to share the perspective obviously working with college audition coach I've coached lots of kids and families through this process but I've also worked in the higher education setting and so I've been Mm -hmm. Uh, an accompanist and teacher at a bunch of different schools and guest artists at a bunch of places. So I've gotten to see both the getting into school, but then also, you know, what happens in theater education across the country. You know, I was fortunate. I did my undergrad in musical theater at the University of Michigan. Uh, I have an MFA in acting from UC San Diego. So I've spent a lot of time <laughs> in the <laughs> environment of theater training and theater education 
kind of from all angles as a practitioner, as a person who is getting the training, as a teacher, an educator, and then also as a coach who helps students figure out where they're going to have a good fit. Yes. When you were at Michigan as a student, did you see yourself breaking out of acting? Yeah, I did. I actually specifically chose Michigan because it, it gave me a lot of flexibility. I came to musical theater late. I was a musician my whole life and I, I grew up playing piano and in band and all that kind of stuff. But so that was really my background. I, I didn't actually do a musical until I was a junior in high school and then was like, oh, I like this theater thing. And so... When I was looking at schools, I, I was really excited by the idea of Michigan because it allowed me the flexibility to do other things. So I essentially built myself a minor in music directing. Mm. So all through college, in addition to performing, I was also finding opportunities to assist music directors and music direct shows on my own. So I came to New York originally when I first graduated with a pretty diverse skill set. Playing piano was kind of my day gig always. And so I would play auditions and I'd music direct workshops of things. And yeah, it was it was kind of by design in a weird way. I, I don't know that I necessarily knew exactly that that was going to be the path, but I knew that I was interested in the music side a lot and really wanted to be able to focus on that and, and figure out what shape that took, you know? I think that's a good point. And we've covered it in previous conversations that that is possible. And it's a good discussion to have when you're mm -hmm. considering a school, whether you talk to students who are attending or faculty about their flexibility to actually be able to do something like that. Totally. Yeah, for the right student who's interested in multiple things. You know, it's pretty hard to double major in most programs. It's possible. It's pretty hard to do it in four years. But there are a lot of places where you can minor in something. And so if you do have an interest in something that is you know, related or even very different, there are a lot of places where you can pursue that. For other students, the conservatory path where they're going to do nothing but act, sing, and dance, like that feels like the right fit for them. And for those students, then a different kind of program is probably a better fit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... We have outlined just loosely a few things that we're going to try and hit on during this conversation. There are so, so many things. And so it, it, it's also <laughs> hard to stay streamlined. So we're just going to chat and do our best. The big topics that we have set out to touch on are timeline, working with a coach versus not, and money saving strategies. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let's start with timeline. If you want to touch on what the major stress points of the year are mm -hmm. when moving along in this process. And I, I think it's worth saying this process is not a senior year process. Mm -hmm. It is, unfortunately, a junior and senior year process. And so... Not to say that if you start this in September of your senior year, you can't get into college, but you're going to have a much harder time. And the, the reality is that it didn't used to be that way. The, the, the reason for that is largely pre-screens. And it used to be that you could go to school your senior year and start thinking about what you wanted to do. And this is when I auditioned for college, this is how it was. And you thought, oh, I want to do musical theater. Okay, cool. I'm going to look into some schools and you're going to schedule some auditions for January, February, and then you're going to go do them. And that was the way it worked. And as schools started to implement pre-screens, you now have to audition to audition. And what that means is you can't do a pre-screen in January because then they won't be able to do their auditions in time. And so with those deadlines happening in the fall, you know, what it essentially means is that we have to be ready by the fall of our senior year. So really, this process begins... And I'm saying this in the ideal sense, right? Every, every year I meet kids in October who have not 
had any thought about this. And it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're doing the, the jam-packed version, but it, it's mm-hmm. doable. But in the ideal world, you've thought about this in advance. And so the end of your junior year, that now essentially of your junior year, we're recording this at the end of March, this time of year through the summer is really when you are picking artistic material, you're working on those pieces, you're getting them ready, you are doing your college research to figure out what schools are going to be good fits for you. And the reason I think it's important to do that early is because once you get to August 1st, and this is stress point number one, that is when most of the college applications become available. Our goal for all of our students is to submit pre-screens on the early end of the process versus the late end. So if a school is accepting them from September 1 to December 1, it is much to your advantage to get your pre-screen in in September versus getting it in in November. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for it, but historically our students pass through rate is much higher earlier in the process than later in the process. Hmm. And the, the basic math of that is just they have a finite number of spots and they're not holding them for anybody. So when they see somebody they like, they pass them through. The closer you get to the end of that process, the fewer spots are left. And because we are all procrastinators as humans, that's when the majority of the applications show up. So if they've already given away half their spots and they've only seen a third of their applicants, you know, you do the math and suddenly you have a, a 50% chance of, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, yes, like a 50% yes. reduction in your chance of passing through just because they don't have enough spots left. Yeah, and that so, makes sense. Because of that, our recommendation is for our students to shoot their pre-screens in early September with the idea of submitting them by mid to late September. So if we're thinking about this process being I'm applying to 15 to 20 schools, which is pretty normal, and you can only start those applications on August 1st, and you know, you're going back to school to have your senior year, you essentially have two full-time jobs in applications, essay writing, you know, all, all of the application side stuff plus being a senior in high school. And so if we're also then trying to figure out which schools we want to apply to and what pieces we're doing and how to get them ready, it it becomes incredibly overwhelming. It's honestly one of the biggest kind of burnout points where people go, I just don't want to do that. You know, and it's unfortunate because it doesn't need to be that way, but it's really easy for it to stack up. And so anything you can do to get your school list in shape prior to August 1st, and to get your artistic material ready to go so that by the time you get to August, you can put your artistic material on ice for a month. You can go focus on the academic side, get those applications together, get your essays written, and then dust your material off in early September to think about then taping your pre-screens. That's definitely the first big kind of crunch moment of the year. Mm-hmm. The other ones to think about are, depending on how your year looks in terms of your audition scheduling, you know, we're, we're gonna talk about this today in terms of, this is actually a money-saving technique, but the idea of bundling auditions. And what I mean by that is trying to compress your audition schedule into a few high output windows versus the feeling of you are traveling every weekend for a new audition. Mm -hmm. If you do that, the good news of that is that you're not going to have to be traveling all the time, but it does mean you're gonna have a kind of high output moment. We have an event called Moonifieds that happens in November which is a big unified style private audition event. For a lot of our students, that becomes the second big quote unquote stress point, only in the sense that it's it's busy. It's a busy moment. And so- And it's you know, early you, to be ready, I yeah. would say. The reality is students are ready because of the pre-screens being due early, essentially. But it is, you know, you're going to come down to Dallas for four or five days and get a bunch of auditions done. You know, I had a girl this year do 24 auditions at Moonifieds. Lord. I don't suggest that people do that, <laughs> but it's possible. She was done with the bulk of her auditions for the year after that one weekend, which is great. Mm-hmm. 
but so for our students, a lot of times Moonifieds is another big push because it's like, okay, I'm going to brush my material up for a week or two beforehand. It's a really focused four or five days of auditioning. And then they get to take a break, right? Holidays happen and January goes by. And then typically the next big push is the end of January to early February, because that's when Unifieds are, mm -hmm. right? That's another big bundled audition push. Prepping for that, getting those auditions done, whether you're doing New York, Chicago, Southern California. I saw something along the way that Cleveland put something maybe similar together. There had been an event in Cleveland. This past year was the first year that it hadn't happened for a while. Cleveland Musical Theater was the organization, and it was a similar kind of private audition event where you could do you know multiple auditions in one trip they moved to new york and it's now called new city musical theater and so that's another one of those style events and pittsburgh is doing a unified now too is that correct kind of it was organized by some folks in pittsburgh who created kind of their own version of a unified style event one, to be clear, they are not affiliated with National Unified Auditions, so they're using the word unified, but it doesn't actually mean they're part of that, just so everybody knows. Okay, good to know. Um, the auditions last year were in October, and they are, in fact, a consortium-style event. So it's one where you would audition for all of the schools that are present in one audition. So oh. I just wanted to make sure that that yeah. was clear. And the one other thing to know about that... and. And I don't in any way mean to disparage a consortium style audition, because if you have the option of a consortium style audition and nothing, it can be a great way to get a bunch of auditions in without having to make extra trips. So it can be a money saver. The downside of it is, let's say you really want to go visit campus and audition for, I'll just call them School X. You really want to go visit School X and have the on-campus experience of auditioning for that school. They're your top choice, whatever it is. If you do that consortium event and they are present, that is your audition for that college. You don't have the choice of then auditioning for them a second time, mm -hmm. usually. And so that's just good to know that if the school is treating the consortium audition as a final audition, it can sometimes mean that that is your only opportunity to meet them. You just want to proceed cautiously around a consortium to make sure that that isn't going to be the only time they will see you. Hmm, that's a really good point and nothing that we have covered in any other episode <laughs> of my podcast. So that is really interesting and love just getting more and more information out there. Yeah, that's absolutely. Great. It's one of the things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. And, and again, I can't say that that's true of every consortium, but I know that it's true for some. And so you just want to make sure that you're clear with them. Now, if it's a consortium of a bunch of schools that maybe weren't on your list already, that could be awesome. And if one of them feels like it's a good fit, maybe it is. And you know, I've had plenty of students have success in those. I just... There is a double-edgedness to it, and I just want to make sure that people are aware of the differences and, and, you know, the good and the bad, all that. Truly, if schools are there that aren't on your list, mm -hmm. the pressure is kind of off. You know, you yeah. get the experience of the audition yep. without the heavy pressure of it. And maybe pick a school that really is not on your list or is low on your list as your initial experience and just yeah. get in there, get one out of the way. There's value in just getting in a room and Absolutely. having the experience. Yeah. So any of those things you have on your calendar, whether you're doing Moonifieds, if you choose to do the Pittsburgh thing, if you go to the new city auditions, if you do participate in one of the Unifieds auditions, that's another moment of, I'm not even going to call it stress per se, but it's just another moment of like high output. 
And then <laughs> comes maybe the hardest part of the year, which is what I call the dark time of year, which is <laughs> after you finish your auditions and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting, right? And trying to figure out who's going to accept you, who's going to let you into their school. All You know, some schools have rolling admission. They let you know throughout the year. Some you have to wait until the end of the year. For those schools that wait until the end of the year, it is hard. It is really hard for families and I get it. It's It can be really trying and you can just... Because of luck, because of the way it works out, you might get five rejections in a row or eight rejections in a row and you feel like you're never going to get into another school and then suddenly three offers roll in. So Mm -hmm. as much as you can keep a level head through that, find something to do that has nothing to do with theater or that does. It's like a high school play that's just joyous and isn't about college auditions. It's stressful in a different way that time Mm -hmm. of year. Mm -hmm. And then really the last push is, okay, great. You got into a bunch of schools. Awesome. Now, let's visit, let's see those campuses, let's figure out where you're going to go and make that decision. And and that's another, again, hard to call that stress, but it is a busy time of year. And we generally recommend for our students and families not to worry about visiting campuses until the end of the process, because I think it's to your advantage to visit once you've already been admitted versus visiting just as a prospective student, because you're going to They're going to roll out the red carpet for you. You're going to get to see everything. You're going to get all of your questions answered. And it means you don't spend the money and time to travel to schools that you end up not getting into. It's better to save the the time and money for when, oh, I'm deciding between these four places. That's a better moment, I think, to make those campus visits. And we've done it both ways. We Mm -hmm. did it. (laughs) I actually started taking Frankie to see schools like as a sophomore. Oh, great. Um, But more out of... What is this whole thing even about? Yes. Like, yes just absolutely. to see a program in action and to see his reaction to what that actually means. Totally. So I think that one visit would be valuable to any program just to kind of get a feel mm-hmm. and not necessary, but me being who I am, <laughs> I really wanted to make sure that he was going into it knowingly yes, and to affirm or opposite Mm -hmm. him even going down this road. Yeah. Second time around with Tommy, he had the fortune of being able to go to CCM, see Frankie there, really see the whole thing in action from an inside perspective, which most kids don't have that opportunity so I I felt like he knew what he was getting into totally but we didn't go see schools until he was accepted yep no that makes total sense and yeah just I shouldn't say that I discourage people from visiting campuses I just think um don't feel there's a pressure or an obligation to see all of them in the same way that for students who are applying for a more traditional major it's common like I'm applying to these seven schools I'm going to go visit them all before my applications are in you know and I think for for this process just because the acceptance rates are lower where you get in and where you think you're going to get in are often different, often for the better, actually. <laughs> like, oh, I, cool. I didn't even know about this place. And now I'm in love with it. You know, it <laughs> happens all the time. Ultimately, it's whatever is going to be most helpful for your student. But I would say don't feel the pressure of going for any reason other than it's good for you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, just clarification, I have talked about Moonifieds on many occasions in previous episodes, but... Can you currently sign up for just Moonifieds without being a college audition coach student? Great question. 
Typically, no. The event is for our private students. Occasionally, we invite students to, to participate who we've met through various means, but typically, no, it's, it's for our private students with the idea that that way we know that you have all the resources you need to be ready, you know, mm-hmm. especially because those auditions are early and mm-hmm. we want to make sure that all of our students are fully prepared. They, you know, we know that they're, they're applying to the right schools, all, all of that kind of stuff. It's just that level of oversight is what allows us to ensure that the, the students are ready, which is ultimately why the colleges come. Yeah. Thank you for that answer. Of course. And then uh, just a couple notes about this topic. Everything takes longer than you think. Yes. <laughs> so you covered giving yourself time. Yep. That is a good point to make that I've lived alongside of my kids. Truly, everything takes longer. Next topic. Let's go back in more detail into having a coach versus not. Yeah, I think probably the first question that comes up there is like, what does a coach actually do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is a coach going to help you? What are, what are you paying them for? I, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's someone who knows the process better than you do, right? At, at its most basic. I think an ideal coach is someone who you can really trust, that you trust knows the process in and out. They know all the details. My job as a coach is to educate my families and to help make sure that they know what's coming their way before it happens. We want to avoid those moments where you go, oh, no, I wish I knew about that two months ago. A big part of what we're there to do is help you know what to expect so that when it happens, you're like, ah, oh, yes, this is that thing I knew about already. And it's, it's not uh, where we don't have to white knuckle it the whole year. I think that's a big part of it. I think having somebody there to, to kind of be oversight, you know, often I can spot a problem that's going to happen for a family have any idea that a problem is going to happen hmm. um based on what their their school like for list example is. i'm curious yeah. uh so if i look at their school list and it's they're like i'm applying the equivalent of i'm applying at brown harvard yale dartmouth mm-hmm. and for safety i'm gonna throw columbia in there and you go that's <laughs> not that's not gonna work <laughs> you might get into all of those schools you might get into one of those schools you might get into none of those schools and so similarly, you know, we can assess a school list to make sure that you've got balance and, and you're not just only swinging for the home run admissions. The fact that a school is more competitive does not make it of a higher quality. The fact that a school takes fewer applicants does not make it better. It simply means they take fewer applicants. Mm-hmm. And so me telling you to have fit schools on your list as opposed to extreme reach schools does not mean pick less good schools. It just means let's find the schools that have a higher acceptance rate and make sure that we've got some of those on there. There are fabulous programs at every competitiveness tier, and there are fabulous programs for each kind of student at each tier. I think that's another part of where a coach can be helpful is they're going to help you identify what the options are, like what what kinds of places are out there and help you figure out which ones are going to be good fits for you. Um, You know, what we're not is we're not Uh, we're not your agent. We're not going to get you into college. We're not going to pull strings and you're not paying us to affect the admissions decision. What we can do is steer you towards the programs that seem like they're going to be a good fit for what you want and need out of a college experience. And we do have relationships with schools and we can find things out. And we share a lot of information with our families that come from those relationships. And it's not that we're calling them and saying, you need to take this student or something like that. This past year was a great example. As Omicron hit, And all of these schools that had planned to go back to in-person were suddenly transitioning to virtual auditions. We were texting away with all of our friends and all these kids and finding out what was happening. What's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like literally in real time, our students knew schools that were canceling unified auditions like two weeks before it was ever publicly announced. 
Mm-hmm. And that matters because our families were able to save money and change their plans and, and know that they needed to account for another trip. There's a lot of things that information pipeline can where that will be helpful to you as a family. And that's, you know, I think any coach that's worth working with probably has some level of that being plugged into the ins and outs of what's actually going on. Um, coaches will also help you pick material that's age appropriate, that really shows you off, that's going to- This is huge. Help you show up in the audition room. Every time you talk to a school, we just did an event the other day, a kind of a free, you know, information session for families, just again, in the name of getting information out there. And we had Mark Madama from Michigan join us. And I said, all right, Mark, this is the question that I know you get asked all the time. It's a question we get asked all the time. What do colleges want to see in the audition room? Like, what is that thing that they're looking for? And the answer he gave is the answer every college person will ever to the history of time give, which is we want to see you. You. You are the thing. I don't care what note you sing. I don't care what monologue. I mean, I care what monologue you do, not because it has to check a box, but because I want the monologue to tell me something that you want to say. I want your songs to reveal who you are, what you care about. You know, part of my job when I get to know my students is like playing psychologist a little bit, right? And like getting, mm-hmm. getting to figure out who they are and what they connect to and like, and being able to say, hey, I feel like these kinds of things feel like they would be a good energy fit on you. And they feel like- Yeah, they, like they highlight who you are. Yeah, exactly. I feel like- Your individuality. Gonna... Right, right. And it's it's really hard as a, as a 17-year-old to like pick up one of those singers anthologies of musical theater and be like- <laughs> Which of these 17 songs Ugh. is right for me, right? You know, I this is what we do. And this is what most coaches do is that our world is making sure that you have the right material to really help you pop in the room. So that you, going back to the thing you were saying earlier about students walking in and nervous and all that kind of stuff. I think more than anything, it's allowing you to go in feeling confident that you have pieces that really speak to you and that you're going to represent yourself in the room. That's a big part of it. I know that's a long monologue, but those are the things that I think where a coach can be helpful to you is to really help make sure that you've got the right material, help you feel confident going through the process, help parents be organized, and then to be there at the end of the process and help you figure out where you're going to go after you get all your acceptances. That's what I'm doing right now with all of our families. I've got, I had like four calls last night with students who are weighing through their offers and it's like, great, we're going to talk about what those places are going to offer you and, and how to find the right one that's going to really sing to you for the next four years, you know? And as a coach, do you break down with a family the offers and and advise them on who to go back to and how to present their case? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if a student's on a wait list, we have a lot of advice for them about how to approach that situation in, in terms of just reaching out and expressing your interest and, you know, not being annoying, but making sure that they know that they're high on your list if they are. Um, if it's a school that you're really interested in, but like just the money isn't there, you know, how to have that conversation with the school. And our advice is you're not going to get what you don't ask for. Ask. Mm-hmm. They might say no, but why not ask? If, if it's a matter of you really like school and it's your first choice, but it's just not as affordable and you have another option that's also great, but maybe not your first, first choice, ton of money. There are ways to let the other school know that and say like, I have this other great offer, but you guys are my first choice. Is there anything that we can do? And again, you can't go into that conversation expecting them to say yes, but we can always ask. Those are absolutely conversations that we have with families constantly at this time of year. Tying timeline into that a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I didn't realize is they have limited funds available Mm -hmm. in their program. And the earlier you have those conversations, 
the better chance that some of that money will be ear tagged for your child um, as opposed to coming in late and they've already allocated all of their funds. Exactly. That's a hundred percent right. Timing does matter. And, and the other thing, schools want to know that you're interested in them, right? Again, you, you are only one of you, you're going to pick one school to go to. And so if a school really is your first choice, like you don't need to be coy and hide that from them. I actually think it's helpful to let them know that. I think sometimes people are like, oh, does that give away my leverage if they know that I really want to go there? And I actually think the opposite is true. I think them knowing that you're really interested can be helpful in getting aid or it can be helpful in getting off a wait list or it can be, it's not going to get you into the school, right? It's not going to necessarily help with the initial admissions, but it, it can help in those other ways. Every school is different. I mean, we joke about this constantly that we need t-shirts that say every school is different because it's true. <laughs> but you might have some schools where the head of the program reaches out to you and is actively recruiting you. If that person is doing that, you can ask for things. Again, not to say that they're necessarily going to be able to give them to you, but especially if the finances are a prerequisite for you to be able to go there, you know, they definitely need to know that because they might be able to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, they might not, but, but possibly. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we move on? Oh, I guess just a, so when I meet a new student and a new family, what that conversation looks like, because I think some of those questions might point you toward the things you as a parent or as a student should be thinking about in this process. We talk obviously about what we do and about Moonifies. I think that's a, a thing a lot of people have questions about. But my questions for the family often are around how does the student identify in terms of the disciplines of musical theater, right? What do they think their strengths are? What are the things that they're still working on? And then do you want a college program that's going to play to that or that's going to really challenge you? There are a bunch of different metrics that you can use to determine what's a good fit for you in college. Do you want a place that's a little more of like that singer-actor track that's maybe skewing you more towards principal roles? Would you rather go to a place that's a real triple threat program where you're going to dance five days a week for four years and, and it's going to have you ready to walk into the 42nd Street Chorus? Mm-hmm. You know, again, neither is better or worse. They're just different, they're different approaches. Um, do you want a, a school that's in a big city versus a small town? Do you want a campus? Do you not care? Do you want liberal arts you know, academics and, and requirements around your curriculum? Or do you just want to be doing musical theater all day? Do you want a place that's really going to push you in the ways that you're uncomfortable now or that's going to grow the thing that you already feel good about and make it extraordinary? Now, those are all questions that I think lead to finding what those right programs are. So that's a part of that conversation. Just from a practical standpoint, I often ask the question of like, what are your summer plans? Because we have to factor the summer into the timeline. And there's neither good nor bad there. It's just It just affects your timeline. And so working backwards, you want to make sure that you give yourself enough time to, again, by August 1, feel like you've got your material in place, you've got a school list in place. So that's part of that conversation. And then helping address where the student and parent anxieties are about the process. People come to this with different levels of inherited stress. A big goal for me always is to help people know that you don't have to be stressed going through this process. You can be, it's really easy to be, but you don't (laughs) need to be. And this goes back to the thing we were talking about in terms of like making sure you give yourself enough time. We can do this in a kind of leisurely way. It's not going to be like a walk in the park. There's always going to be stress, stressful moments and there's going to be, you know, a lot of work to do. And in fact, for many of our families, I think it ends up being a really wonderful moment for parent and student to kind of bond over this weird experience that they're going through of auditioning and applying for these programs. And so... 
part of our job really is to help meet the family where they are and, and assess what things are causing them stress. And, and a big part of it's just knowing and feeling safe and feeling like they're in good hands that we're going to take care of them. There's such a fear of screwing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, that like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss that deadline and my child's not going to get into college. I think sometimes parents take all of that stress on. I get it. I, I really do. I, I, I completely empathize with that. And that's part of what we're there to do is to help take some of that stress off the parents and say like, yeah, we're going to make sure you know the deadlines too. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we're a fail safe. <laughs> you know, we're, we're a safety net that if something happens and you miss something, you, we, we are either going to like let it, be letting you know that it's happening so you can fix it or we're, we're going to be able to like step in and potentially help fix it you know, and, and rectify it in some way. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there is no disadvantage in having a coach. <laughs> I know of zero. Truly, the only one is cost. Honestly, I would encourage people to think about it from the perspective that, like, I can only speak for us because we have the advantage of Moonifieds. Moonifieds often makes working with us cheaper than if people didn't work with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, literally, it will save you money, like like a net savings on the year because you can accomplish so many auditions in one trip. When Tommy went through as a student of college audition coach, I think he did like eight auditions when we were there. And one thing that happened and it was able to be easily rectified. And I don't even know how it happened. Actually, the school that he's at, Wright State, somehow his audition fell through the cracks. I have no idea what happened. They had paperwork that was like separate yeah. that you sent in apart from Wright State's application. I believe I'm not 100% clear on that, but um, it was just like a form. Yeah, like a supplemental form for the program yeah. probably. Yeah. And while we were there, we realized it and he auditioned for them while we were there. I'm not sure had it been unified, would that have been able to happen? I don't know. I would say this is one of the differences between Unifieds and Moonifieds. Even though Moonifieds is a Unifieds style event, meaning just the audition format is similar. The big difference is we run it. (laughs) It's our show. Where that's useful is that if there's something that goes wrong, a form that doesn't get filled out, if there's, for whatever reason, the person had a problem, we're there to help make it all go okay. We never want someone to walk away from that and be like, oh, I wasn't able to audition because blank. There are a lot of requirements that the school has put out. You know, we make sure that that's all communicated really clearly and those sorts of things. But if there are issues, we're able to fix it. Whereas at Unifieds, we can act on your behalf the same way your parent can act on your behalf in the sense that we can go talk to the school. You know, it's usually a monitor sitting in the hallway and we can go try to do. But a lot of times if there's like a logistical thing that was missed, there's a lot less ability to do it because there's not a centralized body. You're just dealing with the school one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know? I'm so, so glad he got that audition in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He goes there now. So <laughs> all, the story has a happy ending. Yes. It all worked out. So we talked a lot about having a coach. How can you best describe the process not having a coach? I think in an ideal world, you're still drawing on the resources that are made available by those coaches. I mean, the fact that you might be listening to this podcast would be a, <laughs> an indicator that you are doing such things. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of information out there walking people through kind of what to expect. Mariana, who's our founder, wrote a book called I Got In. It's a fantastic resource. There are other people who've written books on the topic. 
there is information out there. I'd recommend following us on social media, if I may be so For bold. sure, for if sure. So bold to, to plug There's stuff. a lot of free information there. Yeah, we share a lot. You can get it on our Facebook page or our Instagram page, but also we've got a YouTube channel where we've got, you know, probably 65 videos on there of content. They're all just little bite-sized chunks of things that happen throughout the year that you need to know about. So there's a lot of information out there. There were other great resources. Um, Backstage, Marianne and I both have written for Backstage over the years. And so you might find articles by us or by other people talking about this process. Just backstage.com. It's like an industry publishing that basically it's the largest place where auditions are posted. And that's typically what most kind of professional actors use it for, but they have resources for other related things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playbill.com. They have lots of information on there. It's obviously a lot more geared to the professional community, but occasionally you'll find resources on there about college auditions. Honestly, the single biggest thing I think you can do in terms of using like social media to figure out where this all goes, getting to know schools is so, 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 so important. And any chance you have to listen to college educators talk about their programs is gold. It is the single biggest thing I think you can do to get a sense of what these programs are like. Because that's the question we get asked all the time. How do I even know? (laughs) I mean, most people have a list of schools. Most people come to us and they're like, I've heard of these 25 schools. Help. How do I know what to make of that? And I say, you know, any chance you have, Google Vicki Bussert, Baldwin Wallace, and you will find 20 videos of her talking about Baldwin Wallace in the program. Things like that are super helpful to, to just get to know who's out there, what kinds of things they offer. You know, looking at their curricula online and seeing what they offer and how they start to compare against each other. There are a lot of resources that are available to you online for free. Moo's books on Amazon. If you're going it alone, well worth the $15 because it will walk you through a lot of what's happening. In terms of the actual process doing it on your own, Nothing really changes. I mean, the reality is, as a coach, I'm not submitting your pre-screens for you. I'm not submitting your applications for you. I'm not walking in and doing your audition for you. So the reality is, you're still doing all of the work. You're just doing it in a way that is guided and supervised, and you have a resource if you have questions and those sorts of things. So the actual mechanics of the year aren't going to be that different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I would encourage you... If there are any of those events that you could get multiple auditions in, in one trip, I'd look into that, you know, getting back to that idea of, of condensing your schedule. It's two big reasons. I say that one is it's going to save you a lot of money. Any chance to do multiple auditions in one trip automatically saves you money because you're reducing the number of times you have to drive, fly, get a hotel room, whatever it is. And two, it's going to keep it so that you might actually have, believe it or not, some semblance of normalcy in your senior year of high school. (laughs) (laughs) You might actually get to be a senior who has their year and you're not spending every weekend traveling for another audition, which is just Mm -hmm. grueling and exhausting. And I don't think it's really good for anybody, to be honest. Yeah, there's enough stress around it already. Yep, exactly. Another couple of resources that I have found to be really helpful. And I didn't have it at the time that that I was going through with my voice, but Empty Parents is a Facebook page. Great community. You can go follow current postings, but also go back. You can put in search. If you're looking for a certain topic, you can see like some parents talking about, I don't know, like getting the credit card before audition season starts because you can use these points and then there's a whole conversation around that and you feel like that's kind of what I was trying to create with this podcast just you know feel like you're part of a bigger community where conversations are happening yep and you can learn from each other and then also 
there's a lot of students who post things. So if you go into YouTube and, you know, you put in Syracuse, a lot of times you will find students who are part of the program will like do a day and they'll take you with them. You'll see a lot of that on Instagram. Like if you follow the college programs, they'll do the Instagram takeover for the day. They'll post on stories. It's a great way to get into what it's like to be on campus as a student, for sure. It's kind of getting a jump on if you go visit a school on campus, Mm -hmm. they have a student panel. It's sort of getting a jump on that where you get an insider's perspective with some freedom to be real about what is and isn't. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. My only caveat that I will say about the MT parents group is there's a lot of detail. (laughs) Mm. It's actually very common that we get folks who come to us through that group. People are like, oh, we read about you in the group and wanted to meet you. A lot of times they're like, I feel very overwhelmed. And so I would say just use that group with the understanding that there is going to be more information than you need. You don't need (laughs) to know everything that's on the group. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That would be my only caveat. I think it gets to that thing of feeling like you have to do it all right and information overload. Just know that like you're going to find lots of really wonderful information on there. You can find a really great community. Don't feel like you have to be the master of that page and know every detail that's on it. Yeah. What is the other? College Confidential. Yeah. And that is definitely like grain of salt. Yes. It's a message board that there's a whole sub thread just for musical theater schools. And then there's threads by school and it's very involved. Again, lots of great information also can lead to information overload. So just exactly as you're saying with grain of salt. You're going to find more information on there than you need. So don't feel like you have to know it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think not having a coach, it's just a matter of being resourceful. Absolutely. But not getting yourself so down the rabbit hole. But it's hard to know when to stop. It is. I'll add that to the list of benefits of a coach is I can tell you what things to not worry about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's a big part of my job is I get emails from people a lot that are like, I read this blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that's not something you need to worry about. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. (laughs) The end. You can put cement in the rabbit hole right there. You don't have to go any deeper. It is. It's a hard thing to know without knowing the full context. But yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to know where the edge of usefulness is. Right. Okay. So uh, money. Yep. What do you think the cost is per school that you apply to? Can you even put a number on that? I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to my t-shirt. Every school is different, Mm -hmm. but um, (laughs) I think they range. I would expect that the application fee for each school is going to range from somewhere between $40 and $100. I was reading about this earlier. I think $50 is the most common application cost in the country. Okay. Just generally for university applications, which I'm sure most of the people listening to this have heard this already. When you apply to musical theater school or acting school, you have to apply to the university, part one. You have to submit a supplemental application to the department that you're auditioning for. And then in many cases, you have to submit pre-screen videos. And all three of those things happen either in rapid succession or at the same time, typically. And so usually when you submit your application, there is a fee associated. 50 to 100 is probably the normal range. When you submit your pre-screens, often that is in conjunction with the supplemental artistic application, the thing that goes directly to the program, kind of the sub-program that you're, you're applying to. Mm-hmm. At the time of submitting that pre-screen, there is often an additional fee. And it ranges from like $20 to $40, depending on the school. So I think a, a ballpark range is 
probably about fifty to one hundred and fifty dollars per school okay. for application and pre-screen fees. I would say a good average is plan one hundred dollars per school. And the pre-screen fee goes through not always necessarily directly through the school. It goes through whoever the third party accepted is the largest third party candidate tracking platform. It's the one that the majority of schools use. Yeah. So, so you would go on and you would fill out your supplemental application on there. You would click which pre-screen videos you want to include in that. And then you would pay that pre-screen fee to them of which they're taking a small cut and giving the rest to the school is essentially how that works. Gotcha. Just an aside, you can start your accepted file without having to complete it all. You can just save for now because you can go back and let's say you have your monologue uploaded and your child has decided that actually they want to do this other one. You can delete that and upload the other until you have done your final submit. Yep, absolutely. And it's worth knowing you can create a profile and accepted as of this writing, they do not charge you to have a profile with them. The only time you pay accepted is when you submit something. And exactly as you're saying, Lisa, yeah, you, you upload all the files individually. Schools only ever see what you choose to send to them. So you could have 50 video files on there and the two that you select are the ones that are gonna actually go to that school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you can absolutely go on. You can upload things, you can delete things, you can organize it. There's like a whole archived section if you wanna move things and keep them on there, but not have them in your active dashboard. It's a pretty robust software solution, which is great. Yeah. And it seemed obvious, but preview your video submissions to make sure that they are the ones that you're meaning to send. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Like, please, please, <laughs> And that please they're watch coming everything. through, that they're not, for some yeah. reason, in translation that they didn't get now. They're suddenly upside down. They're yes, sideways. Yes, suddenly the yes. video and audio are out of sync. Suddenly it's purple. Like all of these <laughs> things I have seen in the past year alone. So, uh-huh. so yes, yes, yes. Please make sure your video is uploaded correctly. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong or that the software is bad. Just sometimes weird gremlins happen. You might have to re-upload it. Or sometimes it's like a a file format issue. Um, For what it's worth, their tech support is amazing. So if you do ever have an issue, just write to them and they will help you solve it. Going back to our earlier point about everything takes longer than you think. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to upload all your files 10 minutes before the deadline, (sighs) probably not a great idea, (sighs) right? Like give yourself time for something to go wrong because if you don't, it will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you do give yourself time, it probably won't go wrong. It's usually the, the Murphy's law. Totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can't tell you how many sweating moments I've had because I was the tech submitting yep. things, making sure that they got in. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So money, what are some tactics to be aware of in the vein of possibly being able to cut corners? Uh huh. Yep. What we're talking about, free resources online, use those as best you can. If you are someone who has financial need, there are often the ability to request fee waivers. So that's a thing where you would do that directly with schools. Um, Typically, what they're going to ask for is if you're a student who is on, or if you have a student who is on free or reduced lunch, or if you received waivers for the SATs or ACTs through the college board, you typically qualify for a fee waiver. And often that's what they'll ask is the documentation proving one of those things. So if that applies, that's a way to say, I mean, as we're talking about an average of $100 per school, you've got 20 schools on your list. That's two grand right there, right? And so I know, <laughs> deep breath, exactly. <laughs> deep breath. Um, um, similarly accepted, uh, we were talking about them as a third-party candidate tracking site that, that handles pre-screen videos. They also do fee waivers. So if you're somebody who qualifies there as well, 
um, you can request waivers. They, they have like a finite number of them per student, but if your need exceeds that, you can just reach out to them and often they'll grant you an exception. So just know that if they're like, yeah, here are your three waiver codes and you're like, I can't afford the other six, write them and they might be able to help you. So just know that that's a case. And like you said earlier, ask. Ask. It never, it never hurts to ask. Always ask. Worst case, they're going to say no. They're not going to hate you. They're not going to think you're cheap. Doesn't put you <laughs> at a disadvantage. Nope. It will not hurt you in any way. Just ask for what you need or what you could need and give them the chance to help you. And if they can't, then they can't. And you know that and you move on. And if they can, then fabulous. Aren't you glad you asked? Mm -hmm. Similarly, you can approach coaches to see if they offer any kind of scholarship, right? If you're interested in working with somebody, but it just doesn't seem budget wise, like it's going to be swingable. You can always reach out and ask from our perspective. We have a BIPOC and diversity initiative that we started a couple of years ago that over the last couple of years, we've worked with about 45 young artists from underrepresented communities in musical theater. That's artists of color. That's artists with disabilities, artists who are neurodiverse. That's something that we offer. We also work with students, not from those populations, occasionally who have financial need. The last thing I want is for dollars to be the barrier for someone to get what they need and mm -hmm. to be able to, to be competitive. And so that's our way of addressing that. I know there are other programs. There's the Fund for, uh, for College Auditions. That is a great organization that helps work with young people who have financial need going through this process. And so yeah, if you're interested in working with somebody and you just can't afford it, you know, reach out and let them know that. There might be something that they can do for you. Mm -hmm. I want to also just add locally. I'm not sure what's available locally in your community, but we have a community theater that has auditions for seniors every year. It comes with a monetary award that then right. can be used as you need. That's a great point. In the same way that you're going to be looking for scholarships for college, there are sometimes places that will have money that's able to be used not just for college, but might be used for training. American Theater Wing has a great scholarship program that I actually think today was the deadline for, for current juniors. It's specifically for summer programs and continued training for high school kids who are thinking about college auditions. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool. You know, yeah. anything like that you can find that might be money to help go toward the training coffers is super duper helpful. Yeah. My in-laws are part of a Model A car organization and they give away, you write an essay, they choose somebody to give an annual dollar amount too. So there are many, I believe, again, you have to just start digging and be resourceful. Absolutely. Yeah. There are a lot of resources out there. You just got to find them. So those are in terms of just actual dollar amounts. I think those are great fee waivers, asking for scholarship help, finding scholarships anywhere you can. The other things we've already talked about, bundling auditions and that idea of condensing your audition schedule and, and minimizing your trips. Truthfully, that's the single biggest money saver of the whole thing. It's very easy for one audition to cost you $500 to $1,000. It's an audition that you're flying. Let's say you're flying a student and a parent, even a, a not super far flight, maybe 250 bucks a piece, right? Mm -hmm. Round trip flights. And then you're in a hotel for two nights. Let's say it's another 200 bucks. I mean, that's $700 out the door. If you can get, as Tommy did, get eight auditions done in one trip at Lunafides or wherever, suddenly you're like, if you can knock two audition trips off your list, you're in the zone of saving money. So any opportunity you have to not have to get on a plane <laughs> is great. 
The other way that you can accomplish that is the idea of virtual auditions. And this is one of the positives of COVID. Schools have now discovered that they can, in fact, do auditions virtually, successfully. They had to. They had to do it for an entire year. And then they had a year where they thought they didn't have to. And then they had to go back to it. <laughs> and they learned how to do it. They know what it is. We were saying earlier, I'm music directing a show right now. One of our actors tested positive for COVID. He's now at home and he's zooming into our rehearsal. In quote unquote, the real world, we've all figured out how to engage with Zoom and with the online. I mean, colleges have been ground zero for this for the last two years. They had to do an entire year of coursework online, musical theater coursework via Zoom. So they're very comfortable with it. And, and the point of all that is that moving forward, while I know they're all going to be excited to get back to in-person, they're not going to get rid of virtual auditions. That will still be an option because it has allowed them to reach students in demographics that they would have never reached before. It's increased access in this incredible way where a small little regional school in Missouri can see kids from Seattle and kids from Maine. And suddenly the, the, the space barrier gets broken down and it opens things up. So they're very excited to continue offering virtual auditions. Even if it's not the majority, they might have a day or two that are virtual. So that's another way where you can minimize travel by taking advantage of those. What are your thoughts? Does that put you at a disadvantage in any way? That yeah, like are, are there disadvantages of being virtual? Essentially, right? That's my question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a complicated answer in the sense that objectively, no. <laughs> they're real auditions. They're only doing them because they really want to see people. That they now know how to use Zoom pretty darn well and can do a good job of evaluating talent via the internet. The place where I would say subjectively there's a little gray area is it's not the same as being in the room. It is a little different. Ultimately, I don't think the disadvantage aspect, so to speak, is significant enough that it's not worth really considering virtual for most places. Mm -hmm. I would say if it's your absolute top choice school and you have the option of seeing them in person or seeing them virtually, you might want to go be in person, mm -hmm. right? But unless it's like truly your top one or two choices, you're probably completely fine to do it virtually. Consider all the variables and prioritize funds accordingly. Exactly. And it gets into strategy. It's like, how do you maximize the efficiency of your year? And you know, for this school, maybe that's a good strategy. For this other school, maybe that's less a good strategy. I do think, though, for 75% of the schools you're going to audition for, being virtual is a perfectly wonderful option. I would yeah. just say for those top handful, maybe those are ones that you would prioritize seeing in person. But other than that, I really don't think the downside is substantial enough that it's worth the cost of the travel, frankly. Mm -hmm. Schools use those auditions. They view them as real things. They're there. Also, students, for the most part, feel more comfortable in that setting now than they did two years ago. And so for most young folks, it's not that weird to be like, I'm going to sing a song on Zoom, mm -hmm. you know? And it's we, live. It is. It's still live. You're still meeting them. You're having a conversation. The one thing I will say, this is my biggest piece of advice if you're going to do virtual auditions, which most people I think should, plug your computer into the internet via ethernet Hard. cable. Please, please, yeah. please, please, please be hardwired to your router. Mm -hmm. That plus do a quick Google of this, but like basic audio settings, original sound and high fidelity music mode are your best friends when you're doing auditions on, on Zoom. There's lots of tutorials out there, but hardwired to the internet, original sound slash high fidelity audio mode. Those two things alone will increase your experience of a Zoom call for the purposes of singing like tenfold and they will give you a much better chance of having a really smooth experience. 
Excellent. Pointer. <laughs> you got it. We had to navigate Moonified to entirely virtual two years ago. And so I spent like six months figuring out exactly how to, how to optimize it. I was, yes, I was very deep in the, in the, um, the Zoom technology. It's going to continue. I just don't think the virtual audition experience is going to disappear. I think being prepared for how you're going to handle that and make sure that you have a setup that you feel good with. Again, the, the two biggest things are the audio settings and the, the ethernet. You don't need to spend a million dollars on a fancy mic or fancy camera. Obviously, if you have a really old you know, laptop that you could invest in a, a clip-on webcam that's like super duper high def for like 80 bucks, um, that might be worth it just if you have a really old machine. But otherwise, you know, most of what's built in is great. And, and maybe a ring light. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. A good ring light. You can get one for under 100 bucks. Just a good little lighting setup just so we see you really well. I mean, those couple things will make all the difference in that audition feeling as close to the real thing as it can. You know, if that's the case, truly the differences between virtual and in-person are pretty small. Yeah. So for less than half the cost of what it would take to make that one trip, <laughs> you yeah. can outfit your little studio very easily. And then I also mentioned earlier, I have Chase Sapphire. Great. And you get bump up in points for anything that's travel related. Yeah. And then if you use those points for travel or to pay your card balance, there's a 25% bonus in value yes. of those points. So specifically, I know that Chase Sapphire is a good one. Yeah. When we were on tour, all of our friends had Sapphire. It was like exactly as you say, it's all the travel stuff, which basically mm -hmm. going through this process is like being on tour. Mm -hmm. I did have one other question. Oh, I know. Can you reflect a little bit on the artistic part of it that they tried to make common? The common pre-screen guidelines. Yes. So yeah, in terms of the musical theater common pre-screen, I actually think it's pretty helpful. And in the same way that Unifieds were intended as a way to help students accomplish multiple auditions in one trip you know, and streamline things, the idea of the common pre-screen guidelines are that you know, a bunch of schools have gotten together and said, we can all agree between criteria A or B, we can see what we need to see in order to decide who we're going to pass through to a final audition. And so those guidelines have been established. They change every year a little bit, but they're pretty consistent. I don't think they're changing them for the sake of changing them. They're just changing them because certain things come into focus and they think they need to move something to make it a little more efficient. Mm -hmm. What it boils down to is on the song side, schools have the option of package A or package B. One of them is two contemporary songs. The other is one contemporary song and a classic musical theater song. Similarly with monologues, schools can either choose just one contemporary monologue or one contemporary monologue plus a classical monologue. The beauty of that is that you can record those one, two, three, four, five pieces, and you can have all of your songs and monologues done for some large number of schools. I think this past year there were close to 80 schools that used it. Um, the things that you have to be really careful about, they're very specific about how things are supposed to be shot. So for mm -hmm. example, the contemporary monologue is in a close-up while the classical monologue is in a full body shot. Be sure to follow the directions and do what they ask for. You know, schools, some will get a little perturbed if you don't follow the directions. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so we wanna make sure that we're, we're doing what they say. A lot of those are going to go through accepted. Again, the beauty is that you might be able to upload those cuts and then that might be the majority or bulk of your pre-screens that have to go in are those videos that you did for that one session. The things to know though are make sure that you're clear about which schools do not use the common pre-screen and be sure that you're clear about what their requirements are so that you have kind of one big master list of all the different videos you're gonna need. And sometimes 
that means you need to do the same clip, but in a different framing, which mm -hmm. is really annoying, but it happens. However, the one thing I will tell you is if you're a Mac person or if you are a decent video editor, which I just realized that you can actually do this on iPhone as well, you can record it in the wider shot and then crop the video to the tighter shot. You Ooh. can actually use the same video in the same way that like photos on yes. iPhone, you can go in and crop it and save a new image or replace the original image. Right. You can do the same thing with videos. You can record it in the wider angle and then you can zoom in and crop it to the tighter angle and just make a new video clip and you'll have two videos of the same performance, but in two yeah. different framings. Gotcha. So that's a nice little time saver and brain saver. There you go. <laughs> the, the one thing to be clear about though is you can't zoom out, right? So you have to make sure that you shoot it in the wider shot and then zoom in. Okay. Um, yeah, Good tidbit. I, yeah. I think the common pre-screen is actually a really useful thing. It seems like they're getting more schools signed up every year because truthfully, there's no reason that every school in the country shouldn't be on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. It's a pre-screen. The mm -hmm. difference between a 32 bar cut and a 16 bar cut, like, yeah. Uh, Eh, mm -hmm. I think we can all just see one thing and it'll be okay. I think slowly we're moving our way there. Um, the other thing you'll have to do is a dance video. This past year, it was whatever you wanted it to be. It's wide mm -hmm. open. There's an optional ballet supplement. If you feel like you want to include some ballet, you can, but you don't have to. So that's what the common pre-screen is. I, I think it's a really useful thing. And I think, again, as more schools continue to sign on, which, again, this past year, it was like 80-some schools. So it was a lot. And so for many students, it was their entire pre-screen list. But it is worth tracking and making sure you're clear of the schools that are not and being really diligent about making sure you have their requirements met as well. Yes, that's what I wanted to get out there is that just because that exists, don't assume that all your schools are on that. Um, just make sure that you explored that in each of the detail, depending on uh, where you're applying to. Yep. And you can look up the song and monologue requirements will likely not change very much, if at all, from last year. Uh, dance will probably not change too much if at all, also on there, a list of all of the schools that participated last year. So you can go on and see who all did it. And that will then give you a sense of likely who is going to do it next year. You know, theoretically, there might be more schools joining. It's less likely that schools will stop participating. So and where can you find that list? If you just Google common prescreen guidelines, I know that there's a database of it on the get accepted site, but the host institution is Paper Mill Playhouse. And mm. so the very first thing that pops up when I search it, and so probably likely will for you too, is the link to the Paper Mill website that there is a dropdown that says participating institutions, and it's got a whole bunch of schools listed there. Awesome. Yep. That's a great way to go in and see who all used it last year. They usually update the list sometime in August. At that point, you'll get an accurate list of exactly who's doing it at that point. Got it. Thank you for letting me add that in. Of course. Well, I think that we have done a good job at covering what we set out to discuss, plus some. Indeed. Uh, it is such a unique niche thing to go yeah. through. I started and I'm continuing to try to get information out there. Yeah, it's really valuable. We often have conversations with our parents about that, the paying it forward mentality, you know, and it is a complicated process. The joke is always that our families are experts in it just in time for it to never matter again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but using that expert status to help other folks that they know who are going through the process to have it a little bit easier than they had it for themselves. And so I really appreciate that you're sharing the information and helping families navigate this. Yeah. And I'm recognizing that things are changing and, and I feel like I know less being further away from it. And it's important to really be able to have accurate information that isn't just based on my 
past experience. That's what it's important to stay in touch with people knowledgeable who are also more current in the process. So where can people find you? We are College Audition Coach. So you can find our website at collegeauditioncoach.com. On Facebook, it's College Audition Coach. We also are on Instagram with a YouTube account. Everything's branded as College Audition Coach. You should be pretty easy to find us. Um, If you have any questions and you are interested in learning more about us or you just have a question for me, my email is just mark, M-A-R-K, at collegeauditioncoach.com. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions, if this conversation spurred anything and you're curious about it, I'd be happy to chat with you. Wonderful. And And, uh, Mariana's book? Oh, yes. And I Got In by Mariana Denard. It is available on Amazon amongst other places. Yeah, check that out. She also has a second book called Before I Got In that's intended more for high school underclassmen, so freshmen and sophomores, whereas I Got In is more geared to the junior and senior student who is beginning or in the middle of the process. And last point, College Audition Coach has a juniors program too. Oh yeah, thank you. I, yeah, so at Moonifieds, we found that over the years, there was a lot of interest from younger students to get a taste of kind of what that experience is like. And so we started Moonifieds Junior about five or six years ago, and it's been incredibly successful. Every year, people tell us it's the single biggest thing they did to help them feel really prepared going into senior year. The idea is as a high school freshman, sophomore, or junior, You come to Dallas for the weekend of Moonifieds, and you get to observe how the audition event runs. You get a sense of what college auditions are all about. We program a bunch of educational workshops throughout the weekend. So we talk about how to start preparing for financial aid. We talk about the school list and how to to get to know schools better. We talk about pre-screen prep and what kinds of things you can expect to happen when you do your pre-screen videos. And then we also have college faculty come in and lead song and monologue masterclasses and a dance masterclass. So you're going to get a chance to do like a mock audition with actual college faculty from four or five of the schools. The last piece of it that's really exciting, this past year we had six and it will probably be that or a couple more this year, summer programs doing actual live auditions for our Moonified's junior students. This past year we had SSTI, Broadway Dreams, Work With Broadway, and then the summer programs at Ryder, Florida State, and Texas State, Nexus. Those six programs all came and did auditions, and a bunch of our students who participated in Moonified Junior ended up getting into one or multiple of those places and now have fun summer plans. Mm. So it's, it's a super-duper educational and informative weekend that's a lot of fun, and it's really, really not scary. I think people mm-hmm. think that it's going to be intense and pressury, and it's actually very relaxed but you're going to learn a ton and you're just going to walk out feeling like you have a much clearer sense as you prepare for thinking about your senior year experience. Getting ahead. Yeah. We had three or four students this past year who were sophomores who are all coming back again this coming year as juniors. It was so educational. Like I just want to get to absorb it all again. Being in November of your junior year, often a lot of those kids then start working with us in January or February to get the ball rolling for senior year. And it's, it's a really nice launch into that process. And do parents come to that? Yep. There are informational sessions for parents and students. It's a a really, really, really helpful event for students and parents alike. There you go. Thank you for reminding me to say that. Yeah. And also you don't have to go into detail about it, but I know that there are offerings from College Audition Coach that aren't the full program. 
that you can kind of a la carte as well. Yeah, we have our online prep program, which is a lot of the nuts and bolts of how the process works. Students can do that without doing the coaching package. That's an option, just a little more the DIY approach. It's going to give you a lot of the information about how to navigate it. We also have this coming year four on-campus master classes that are available to the public that if students want to participate in those and, and go see what it's like to be on campus and learn from Mark Madama at Michigan or wherever, you know, those are options as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All righty. Well, thank, thank you. you again. No, thank you. It's great to have a chance to, to chat with you and share the knowledge. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Of course. Awesome. <laughs> Tell uh, Mariana we said hello. I will. I will. I will. Be well. Okay. You too. Take care. Okay. Boom. Wasn't that just a chunk of amazingness for us parents? At whatever point you are in this process, it's just, gosh, it just sheds so much light. Also, if you are in the thick of it, it's affirming. Maybe you'll pick up a little pointer or two that, you know, will really help you. That is one of my many hopes for this podcast. Okay, I am just going to kind of do extreme of consciousness wrap up. All right, so having a coach equals a safety net. They help you pop in the room. Whether you have a coach or not, the goal is to best represent yourself in the room. Let the number one school know that it is your number one choice. This process doesn't need to be incredibly stressful. Be resourceful. Coach or no coach, mechanics of the year aren't going to be that different. So many mentions of bundling auditions and the advantage of saving money and time. Expect approximately $100 per school that you apply to in application costs. Record pre-screens in widescreen format. If you are an Apple slash Mac user, you can zoom in and put it in the format of what the school is asking for in terms of the shot being full body or tighter, etc. Every school is different. Every school is different. Every school is different. Repeated for emphasis. I also thought it was so funny that parents are experts in this process just in time for it to never matter again. Those were my main points. Oh, Chase Sapphire card. If you happen to apply for the Chase Sapphire card, put my name down as a referral. Lisa Tams. Never hurts to have extra points. It really does add up. Using the points can really work to your advantage. I know in the end there that we got into some detail about College Audition Coach and the services that they provide. As you know, if you've been listening, Tommy 
worked with them and it was very helpful. But really, mostly, this was made with the intent on sharing the knowledge. As I mentioned in the podcast, I really am appreciative that College Audition Coach as an organization does put out a good amount of helpful, free information. This was by no means specifically about them, but they have a lot to offer and are a great option to consider. Yeah, so Giovanni, our youngest, just finished his musical at his high school, which was Newsies this year, and he was Jack. And he definitely has the abilities that our older two sons have. He's not sure what he wants to do going forward, So that's a little interesting, (laughs) Um, not new development, but development. I am trying to get him to a summer intensive that is focused on growing his craft, not on an end performance that would give him, you know, a good idea of what it might be like to go to school for musical theater. So I may be going through this process again in support of one of my children. Amazing. (laughs) Still TBD, but uh, I'm right there with you, people. Yeah, I hope this was helpful. Please give me feedback. Share this as a resource with others who it might benefit. Um, I'd love a rating on Apple Podcasts, a review, an email, a text, anything. I do really appreciate hearing from you guys. It keeps me motivated. God bless you all, wherever you are in this process. I am not sure when I'll be back with whom I will be back talking to. Hey, any suggestions you have for that? I would love that too. So yeah. Thanks for tuning in and be well.